Hi everybody, it's Andy from Snow Camps Europe and I'm back again with Paul from the Ski Instructor Academy here in Capron, Austria. And this podcast is Why Are Some Ski Teachers Not Worth the Money? Yeah, um, harsh, harsh, criticizing your own profession. Well, I don't think it's that. I think, I think, look, we need to put in perspective as to what are you buying into? You know, some people are buying into um, professional coaching. You know, they want the technical side, they want the mechanics, etc. And other people are buying a ski instructor who's going to ski with a 10-year-old kid or whatever. So somebody can be a fantastic instructor who doesn't really understand, let's say, the mechanics of the sport, but the fantastic with kids, they're great playing around. They can, you know, they understand the basic fundamentals so they can help the, the, somebody improve. But that same fantastic instructor would be a complete waste of money for, let's say, somebody who's in their 40s, uh, you know, is a doctor um, and, and is looking really for more input about feelings, about how the body moves, for example. Yeah, I think there's a, there's an element, and so we, we, you've two examples there of what do you want from your ski instructor then go and pay for that ski instructor um and that's a problem yeah because uh, the ski school yeah, does not a, do that no and i was just about to say this um and and this is the, so the, uh, my advice when booking a ski teacher let's say is you don't walk into a ski school and say hi i'd like a week of private lessons because they'll go okay they'll look at a list and they'll say hmm Give them this person. You want to go in and you want to, or, or before you go in, do some research at home. It, so Caprun as an example, Paul. If people are coming to Caprun, the, there's a, enough online for them to make an educated decision on who they're going to come and ski with. Because there are teachers in Caprun that are um, more active on social media, let's say. And you will be able to see whether or not you want to ski with them people. So you'll be able to see if you want to ski with me. You would be able to see if they want to ski with Paul or Jamie or several other people. So try and try and find out about ski teachers before you get to resort. In the resort you're going. Yeah. 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 Because the ski school does do exactly that. They're, they're generally um, very poor at the logistics of understanding what somebody's booking. Um, and also clients are often very um, uh, not the cleverest. Like I can remember somebody actually rejected me as their instructor because I didn't speak Dutch, for example, even though they spoke very good English, and took a Dutch guy who was just one of my students, <laughs> who had just literally qualified, yep. and ended up really with a terrible private lesson for three days because this this guy wasn't really going to be to tell him anything. But the, to them, their goal was to get a Dutch guy. That yeah. was it. I, I got to have a Dutch guy, even though I can speak English. No, no, it's got to be Dutch. And okay, fine. The, the ski school will then give them that. Now. I wouldn't do that. You know, I would be mapping and matching the guy to that person. You know, is this a 10-year-old kid or is this a 50-year-old guy who's a businessman, a lawyer or whatever he is? Okay, who's going to suit that character more is going to be really important. Um, and that's what ski schools do terrible. I mean, they're, they're just nowhere in the world can they seem to get this right and match it because the secretary generally isn't interested. But no, <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, a lot of the ski school owners are just interested in taking the money and putting it into the till, um, which is a controversial thing to say, but it's true. Um, and I think this is where um, 
the industry needs to change. There are ski schools that do do oh, it. There are some most of them, ski yeah, schools, yeah. Most of them don't. Obviously, when you select your coaches for the courses, you're selecting people for particular reasons. Um, we we say at snow camps that we will give you the right teacher and I'll speak to people and I'll ask you questions on what you want from your teacher and then I'll go and get it. So if you want a teacher that's going to ski you around from hut to hut, then take you to après ski. Um, and find, easier I'll, man. <laughs> I'll, find, I'll find you that person. If you want somebody that is from a, a sports science background, <laughs> from a sports science background and is going to talk to you in technical speak, then you go and ski with Paul. Um, but yeah, don't just walk into a ski school and ask for a ski teacher because you will potentially get, uh, and there's nothing wrong with 19-year-olds, a 19-year-old newly qualified ski teacher who may be a good skier, but might not have any experience in teaching. Now, again, this is where the industry is slightly flawed because that teacher needs to get his experience. Somehow. Somehow. And that typically is with kids, which isn't always the best. And I think the Canadian system, I think I'm right in saying they, they quite often do a lot of shadowing hours. Yeah, well, a lot of places. I mean, it's funny enough, Andy, it's probably going to be more prevalent here in Austria as well, where Brexit's affected a lot of UK people and they might have to do more shadowing hours to develop their skills so they can do more courses because legally they might not be able to to work. We'll tackle that in the future. But yeah, Andy's right that um, like anything, when you're learning, you need to learn. So you're almost getting paid to learn and you make mistakes. And hopefully, as I have, I make mistakes in my life with different different jobs you improve um, and you get better and that's very important but do you want to be paying that guy you, you've got to decide on hang on I, I already want the experienced guy I'm not I'm not paying somebody to improve I think if you're if you're parting with 250 300 euros let's say for a day's private if you request a level three or above teacher you're probably going to get someone with a, a little bit more experience if not a lot more experience where if you just ask for a ski teacher, you're going to get whoever's available off the list. Um, what, what would you say in an advert uh, level one, two um, in a ski school? How much proportion percentage do you think are that sort of? 70, 70 percent, 75 We always say 80 percent, probably yeah. level one, two. Yeah. And only that small minority are actually experienced. One of the ski schools I've worked for, I think we only had two level four ski teachers, one level four snowboard teacher. And then... Yeah, Everybody 70, was. 80% were, were, were level one and, and And don't get me wrong, as Andy said before on previous podcasts, and uh, we've talked about this offline, um, you might, uh, even Ski Instructor Academy, okay, we, 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 we tend to only have Stadtliga and, and, and level three, but we might have an Anverda sometimes because they've got life experience. You know, there might be 50 plus, great life experience, great communicator yeah, with coach. people great coach but because wrongly uh, ski instructor examinations tend to favor how good can somebody ski and you know if you start adding in high-end moguls race skiing as people get to level three some 50 year olds are just not going to be to do that but their um, motivation their drive and passion teaching beginner levels is phenomenal better than any level four and therefore that person could still be the right ski teacher so maybe it is sometimes a combination of asking for somebody who is a little bit more mature perhaps for you yep and maturity experience there are several level one ski teachers 
in Caprona and I'm sure everywhere else that have been doing it all of their life. They just didn't have an aspiration to do their level two or three. Yeah. You know, they're happy with the level one because to be honest, the higher you go up the levels, the pay doesn't really change that much. So why put yourself through the courses if you don't you don't need to? Need and especially to. because a lot of the courses, and we'll come on to this in future topics, they're not that educational. They don't actually help you that much to develop um, your understanding sometimes of skiing. And it's it's stuff you can nowadays, this is the problem, of course, you can get hold of probably far more information online. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure, the courses don't go into a great detail of, about teaching. It's, yeah. it's skiing. It's not about teaching. Yeah. Which is why I've always favoured the Canadian uh, Basie style, for example, because they did pay more attention to teaching. I mean, still not a great deal, but, but more than other associations, in fairness, that I've worked with. So there are some benefits to that. But when, when you're looking um, for the right guy and making sure you're not wasting your money, it's difficult. I mean, group lessons, how many people have been in a group lesson, for example, and that groups went from, I don't know, 12 adults to three by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, you, have to ask, you have to ask yourself why. And why is it another group seems to be expanding? Um, you know, like one of our trainers, when he used to work in a standard ski school, Jamie, you know, I would watch his group go from eight and it would end up with like 16, like completely illegal. But everybody had like boycotted the mutant from, <laughs> from another from another skis trainer and ended up in the same group because the guy had passion, he had drive, he had crack, he had conversation. And it's not just skiing we're talking about. We're talking about that, that the, the crack, the... Yep. To bring the group the, together, the whole, the whole, the whole package. Let's say yeah. it's much easier teaching a private than a group. Hmm. Absolutely, you know. Yeah, I, uh, it takes it takes a lot more skill from the teacher to bring that group together. To bring yeah. that group together, keep them together, keep them all mov moving on whilst addressing their individual needs. And again. Yeah. You, you can have a bad experience in a group lesson if the teacher isn't able to do these things. If, if he gives every single person the same solution to one person's problem, rather than identifying each different person's needs and, and addressing them individually in a group scenario, bringing everyone with him. Um, yeah. What's interesting in America is they, they do um, a stepped pricing system. So if you want to pay for a level one, it's this price. Cheap. If you yeah. want to pay for level two, it's this price. If you want to pay for level three, it's this price. And in a way, that's a little bit more transparent than yeah. walking in saying, can I have a ski teacher? And you just get whoever's on the list. Yeah. I mean, equally, the problem is, is you will have people who have done this all their life um, and the crap. Like literally, I, I remember one guy coming off the hill and they, they, I was double booked and they, he said, I said, oh, how did you get on with uh, such and such? He said, that's two hours. I'm never going to get back in my life. What a waste of effing money. Yeah. You know, I think um, <laughs> some of them lack a lot of motivation. They, yeah, they, to them, it's a job. Yeah, they turn up at nine o'clock. They do the two hours, they go home yeah. um, and they put nothing else into it. And again, that can be the highest qualified person. And experienced, yeah. you know, you're talking about, um, you know, often local people who've grown up in skiing, but to them, it's underneath them almost. It's like they don't have the same understanding of how difficult it can be for somebody, let's say, from coming from Holland or from England, who's never been on mountains and snow. They just don't understand that. Why can't you do that? Why can't you just stand on the outside ski or whatever it is? You know, they don't yeah. get it. Yeah, they expect everyone to be able to ski straight away. Yeah. I think the other thing as well is, is a ski teacher isn't just there to teach you to ski. A ski teacher is also a, he's a tour guide. They're information. They're yeah. 
They're, the they're maximizing your holiday. They're maximizing yeah. the time on your holiday because they know what to avoid. They know where to go. They know which way to turn, when to turn, and it's which hut to go to or whatever it is, you know. And look, Capron, for example, Andy, is one of the, um, you know, comes very low in the scale of repeat clientele. Like a lot of people who come to Capron will then go once, for example, and now, now they're going to go to your San Antons or your Verbiers or your wherever else. It's not a real return business place. Yet, good instructors, you know, and I did it when I used to teach, you know, I built my client base here who came back 10 years in a row, year after year after year. They'd come once, twice, three times for a holiday because they'd found a coach that understood them and they weren't going to let that go. Didn't matter about the resort. And, and when, I, when I came to Gaprun, the first thing I did when I came to Gaprun was I actually met you in Intersport, as you'll remember, and then I worked in the same ski school as you. And I watched you and Jamie with your repeat clients and I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to build a client okay. base. And I now have Christmas week is the same people every year. New year week is the same people. February half term is the same people. And, and, and. And then that's Do you hold a gun to them? Uh, what pretty, it is? I, 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 you I, I, will come I, on this ski holiday. I'll pay for the lift pass. <laughs> um, but, and, and that's why, that's how snow camps came about was I, I now needed to find more teachers that I could trust to take more clients because I can only teach a certain number of people in a week um, as you, you you found as well in as a one person ski instructor business let's say um, working within a ski school you top out because yeah. there's only a, there's only five days a week and of course in a, in a ski school though you start getting worried that if you rely on the ski school to then book that person that's your you know you feel passionately about making sure they've got the best product you end up getting cheated because they'll, they'll do you over at the last second and stick on Somebody else. Yeah, yep. somebody who you don't want actually with that person. And you know, you're not doing it because you're being evil to that other person saying he's crap or she's crap. You're doing it because you know the client and you know what the client's after. And as we've said from the start, you've got to identify, you know, this guy who's fantastic with kids and, I don't know, teenagers going through the park and all this sort of stuff. But he'd be absolutely terrible if he got stuck with a couple of, like a couple in their 40s or 50s. It would just fall apart. Why put them in that position, both of them? Why put the instructor in that position? And why put the guest in that position? It's, it's wrong. And this is just to do with how busy it gets, you know, who's available, who they want to lay off, who they want to keep on. And and that's why, again, I suppose, you know, we, we started off because we could identify very quickly there are some major weaknesses. And certainly within the industries, France, Italy, Austria, Switzerland, those traditional alpine ski regions, a lot of the ski schools have just been passed from person to person, year after, you know, decade after decade. And it, it's almost like to them, oh, you should be privileged, you're coming into my ski school for me to tell you how to teach. And the days of 20 people being on a meeting point, trying to do a parallel term with one instructor, they're gone. People want service because they're used to that service. And this is one thing we said, Andy, when we did a, a, a podcast with, when I was doing one with Jamie and I said to him, Europe or America, for example, or yes. Canada. Yes. And I said a couple of times, they know how the service industry works, though, in Canada, for example. You know, yeah. it's, it's a different feel. Even even in South America, I said, when you're in Argentina, it's ridiculous. You're, you're talking like almost third world. But they stand there at the bottom with a little chocolate. And yeah. do, you want, do, you want, do you want a drink of orange? Oh, and then, then when you get off the lift, you know what they say? Hi, how are you? Hola, como estas? You know, it's like, 
said, oh, hang on, what's this? This is, this is, this is how it should be. I, I, I was, I was um, very fortunate. I had a friend who lived in Snowmass, so I got to go and ski Snowmass and Aspen. Where's Snowmass and Aspen? Yeah, Aspen, Snowmass. Um, I got to ski there very, very cheaply because I had a place to stay. Um, and I could not believe it. As you've just said, I would, you get to the bottom of Aspen Mountain, there's a guy there with a coffee cart. Yeah. Would, you, would you like a coffee and a cookie for in the lift? And it's free. Now, okay, free. It's in your lift pass. And this is when people say American lift passes are expensive. What you get is a greater amount because I've now got a coffee and a cookie every day of my ski holiday. I'm in the lift. I get to the top. There's a guy stood there. And he's easily pleased. <laughs> there's a guy stood there and he says, hey, guys, where are you skiing today? Oh, I don't know. We could just go down there. No, 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 no. These are the trails that have been groomed. These are the trails that haven't been groomed. What do you want to ski? And then you tell him, he says, okay, I'll take you there. Yeah. And they're ski hosts, which... It's weird, isn't it? It's strange. And you're like, what? And then you'll, you'll then get to another lift and the guys will have a barbecue going. And it's, it's just Insane. entirely different. And I think, yeah. unfortunately, as you've said, the ski schools, a lot of ski schools, have been handed down to, from father to son to daughter. And they, they, they're basically, they always do what they've always done. And therefore, you always get what you always got, which yeah. isn't service. Yeah, which wasn't service here, yeah, and yeah. it isn't now either. And people are far more aware of service as well. It's it's getting to the point, you know, people don't just expect it; they will demand it, you know. And they they often say, you know, oh, this this nation, I don't know, they'll, they'll criticize the Germans. Say, oh, they always complain, you know, you got to be you got to be a hundred percent behind it and all this sort of stuff. You got to be on it, and they might put a lot of effort actually here, Andy, into looking after let's say German clients. But what they don't get is the Dutch or the English who maybe don't complain to the face as much are equally complaining in the background, just like everybody else. They expect as well, everybody does. Who the hell wants to pay 200 euros a day and then get crap? Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it's you not You just good. feel cheated. Yep. So are our ski instructors a waste of money? No. Um, is it necessary that somebody be 19, 90, 60? It doesn't matter what age they are. You really have to carefully choose your ski instructor and meet him and see is this the guy no i would say probably on your first ride up the lift with that guy you're going to decide whether the guy's right or not you're probably going to know whether or not you've got a good one because they're going to be asking you questions they're going to be asking about your ski history where you learn what you what what are your goals for the lesson what would you like why are you taking a lesson they're going to have an interest in you if they get on the chairlift behind you and smoke, and <laughs> yeah. smoke a cigarette. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think they're interested in the next two hours? Yeah. They're just interested in getting to lunch. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. I hope we've helped you again. Anything to add, Andy? No, I, I think, think we're about done. We'll uh, we'll see you on the next one. Ciao, ciao. Bye for now.